Welcome to the Rodeo Kids Podcast. I'm your host, Camry Woodmer, and I am very excited to introduce today's podcast guest. From her family's fourth generation ranch in Kansas to the bright lights and big screens as a New York City TV host, Courtney Dehoff understands the industry from all sorts of angles. On today's podcast, she shares her experience of walking away from the rodeo arena to chasing her dreams as that TV host and fashion and all of the cool things that she sees in the bright lights of the city to reconnecting with her roots and then stepping into living unapologetically while following her purpose and inviting others along the journey. She's the founder of Fancy Lady Cowgirl. She owns her own PBR Bucking Bowl. She's been a rodeo queen, and she has done so many things that makes her an awesome advocate for the Western lifestyle inside and outside of the arena. So listen up, sit back, enjoy this conversation. She's got so much to offer, and we are thankful to have Courtney Dehoff from Fancy Lady Cowgirl as our guest on today's Rodeo Kids podcast. Welcome to the RodeoKids.com podcast, where we empower youth to be their best selves through the values and traditions of the rodeo and Western lifestyle. So we have a lot of youth and families that tune into this podcast, and I just feel like you are the perfect person um, or a perfect person for sure to have to share your story and what you're doing because the advocacy for the sport and the industry and for agriculture and for women and cowgirls is just amazing. And nobody else is doing it like you are. And I just think that so many people need to hear your message. So we're thankful to have you to share it. So I'm going to let you share. Like, I just ask people to tell us where you started. Like, how did you get started in rodeo in the Western industry and then to where you are now? Yeah, of course. Well, thank you so much um, for having me. So I grew up uh, sort of surrounded by agriculture and just all things rural America. You know, my mom and dad both came from cow-calf backgrounds and my, a few of my uncles on my mom's side and my mom rodeo, they rodeoed a little bit, but like nothing, you know, they were running a ranch. So it was, it was a full-time operation. And um, when I was little, I got a pony. My pappy helped us um, buy a pony. Her name was Sage. And I took this pony to the 4-H horse shows. And I was, we laugh now. I don't know if it was as funny at the time, but we were like, we didn't actually get asked to leave. I don't ever think that was a thing. But like, I was always the kid that was like laughing the other kids in like the Western pleasure class on you know, my pony Sage, um, well, I discovered that she did barrels and we actually over Christmas were looking back at some videos of me um, on Sage. I'm not sure Sage did barrels. I think we might've just like made her do them and we're like, look, she's a barrel horse. Here we come. Plus it works. Yeah, yeah, it was a little rough. Uh, so, and I just fell in love with it. And then at that point, everything kept getting faster and faster and faster in, in all that I did in 4-H. And um, you know, sort of Sage was the one that started it all. And I always, you know, we laugh because we went on to, you know, go to the high school finals. I went on to college rodeo and we look back and we're like, wow, we went to like the local fair rodeos across the country. And like, I was the kid barrel racing, 
you know, with split reins and like, we, we had, we were clueless. I mean, we were ranchers. So we knew how to ride. We knew how to handle horses, but as far as like the barrel racing and, and rodeo itself, we really, we, we were just like loose cannons and we had so much fun and we loved it. And, you know, as one does, it evolves and eventually it turned into a little better horses, a little better horses, pretty good horses, really good horses, but you know, yeah everybody starts somewhere. So that's kind of how, kind of how I got my start was, you know, that little, that little pony that we were like, oh, she's a barrel horse, which meant, oh, we can make her run around three cans. So now we're going to be barrel racers. I always think it's cool when people, when I start these podcasts and they're like, yeah, we just started doing it. Like we were ranching or maybe they weren't ranching at all. And they dove in and then all of a sudden it opened so many doors and, you know, like Jacob Edler was on one and now he's a world champion steer wrestler and he's a first generation Mm -hmm. cowboy. So that stuff's yeah. really cool but you're not a first generation cowgirl but uh. no but I will say this I now that I'm I'm a little older and a little wiser and um can really like reflect on how hard it is to get into the sport how hard it is to financially to be competitive I mean I really really have the utmost respect maybe even more so respect for people who are first generation, because yeah, you know what, like, and, and I'm not saying this in a negative way, but like, if you come from a, say a Texas family, that's six generations deep and your great grandfather and your great, great grandfather went to the NFR, you're just set up a little different. Like you definitely have a leg up. And so I just really admire these kids that come in and are just doing the dang thing. You know, I, I graduated from Sage to uh, my first, I guess, true barrel horse, Oki. And again, clueless. We don't know what we're doing. We fell into the horse of all horses. You know, they sold this horse had been to the college finals and we're like, cool. We don't know what that is, but like, sounds great. We we'll take him. I love him. And, you know, I practiced the way I practiced was to go full speed because like, you know, at the time that seemed like it made sense. You always run your barrel horse at home. Yeah. In the pasture. We didn't have an arena. And and the only pasture with like enough space sort of sloped down into a pond. And so like, if you hit the first barrel, if, if the pattern was close enough to the pond, like it might roll into the pond. I oh mean, like, my gosh. We were those, that's how we started, you know, we started too. And, and I just, yeah, I just really admire and respect people who um, get into it, you know, that didn't grow up in the sport. I grew up in it. We were just ding-dongs. Uh, right. But like people who truly didn't grow up in it, I just really mm-hmm. respect. Yeah, you bet. So then after that, what did you go to college for? Does it rodeo? Rodeo? <laughs> I always joke. I'm like, well, I went to school to rodeo. Uh, I was an agricultural communications major at Oklahoma State. So I was on the rodeo team at Oklahoma State. And I was a little ahead of my time. OSU has a really great, especially women's, like a very competitive program now. I was sort of in between, like, Janae Ward, Kaylee Holt, those girls that won the college finals. I was like a few years after them, we didn't have an official coach. Like OSU didn't recognize it under the NCAA like umbrella. So it was just kind of a free for all. I lucked out, ended up on a really great place, you know, um, and sort of had enough experience at that point that I could college rodeo, you know, sort of on my own. Um, Yes. So I went to OSU and and was on the, the rodeo team there. Yeah, they've definitely grown a lot. I went to college in Durant, Oklahoma, so not too far from there. Yeah, but I think so you know. it was probably that same time where it was it was definitely building, but it wasn't really built yet. So 
yeah. it's cool to see these colleges that step up into that as well and, and are embracing it, especially a school like OSU. Like, why wouldn't they? You use your degree with what you do yeah. today. Yes. Um, so, you know, it's funny because I, I get into OSU. I become an agricultural communications major. People are always like, oh, well, did you know what you want to do? No, a girl I high school rodeoed with in Kansas year before had done it. And she's like, oh, it's easy. It's an easy major. I was like, great. I'll have plenty of time to rodeo. This is going to work out really well for me. Yeah. Um, so get into it. It it was a lot of like writing for like print publications, graphic design, that sort of thing. And I enjoyed it, but I didn't love it. Mm-hmm. I fell into an internship my freshman year at OSU at a TV station because we needed internship hours, you know, to graduate eventually. And I just fell in love with storytelling, uh, broadcast, TV, just all things that, that encompassed television. I really sort of fell in love with. And so my internship was over. I just kept going. Uh, they didn't take my key card away. So when people are like, how did you get into television? I'm like, I just kept showing up and they didn't tell me to leave. And eventually they hired me. And so by the time I got to my broadcast class, that was part of my ag comm major, you know, the God bless Dwayne Cartmel, still one of my, you know, I'm still a big fan. Saw him at National FFA, my professor. <laughs> he goes, well, Courtney, do you want to help teach, you know, do you want to teach the class? And so, um, I finished my major, got my degree in ag comm, but really it was broadcast all the way, which was sort of interesting because typically people who go into television like I did would be a broadcast journalism major, but I didn't, you know, I was, I'd already committed and I liked the ag school and it worked out. Yeah, you bet. It sounds like, I mean, from what you're doing, it definitely worked out. So from there, from college and you got your degree and you started working for the, the broadcast studio company, not sure exactly how to say that. Um, what, what transpired after that? Yeah, so I got a job offer right out of college uh, to work for Western, uh, a rural, it wasn't Western Sports at the time, a rural news network. And so I moved to Nashville, Tennessee, worked for that rural news network for a year. And the fact that I lasted a year was a miracle. I hated it. Uh, It was a super, super volatile environment. And I, I had always had dreams of being bigger, of being bigger than the rural industry, bigger than agriculture. Now, it was a long sort of winding journey because when I quit that first job in TV, agents and managers and like the big, you know, the big boys, the, the, the guys and gals in New York and LA and Chicago and Dallas and these big, big markets that I someday dreamed of working in, you know, they would watch my tape and they'd be like, well, you know, you've got talent, like you're green, but eventually maybe someday you could work in a market like this. But, but this cowgirl thing you're doing, like that is not going to fly. People will not take you seriously it's too, it's too niche. It's too small. Like that's fine. If that's what you want to do, if you want to stay in that rural cow girl thing, but don't Mm -hmm. call us again, because like, we're not going to play with you. And so my story is that from that point on for the next decade plus for 10 plus years, I worked in television and entertainment completely outside of the agriculture industry. I did not wear my cowboy hat in public. The people I was working with, my co-hosts, producers, they did not know my background. They did not know where I'd come from. They knew I grew up in Kansas. I'm pretty sure they probably thought I rode a horse to school, which like, you know, isn't far off. Um, But like, I didn't discuss that part of me because I thought, okay, fine. I have to give up one or the other. And, you know, when you're young and naive and you're chasing a dream, 
you decide that you have to choose one or the other. And I chose television and I sort of turned my back on agriculture and rodeo. And, um, and it was, you know, now that I'm older and can sort of reflect back, like it was almost like a grieving process. Like for those 10 years, I couldn't even, I wouldn't even go to a rodeo. I'd be like, no, I grew up, I've done that, been there, done that. Like, I don't need to go to another rodeo. And I think looking back, it wasn't that I didn't want to be there. I couldn't stand to be there. Cause I was like, man, these, this is what I gave up. This is what I had to give up to be successful in television. And, you know, eventually about four years ago, there, there was sort of a shift in my mindset, a shift, a, a turning point, you know, a story that the mainstream networks I was working for would not tell because it was about wildfires that were happening in the Midwest. I had pitched the story. They kind of blew it off, made fun of me publicly at the TV station. And so I told the story anyway on my Facebook page, just really as a way to sort of feel like maybe I hadn't completely abandoned the people that raised me, the community that raised me. Right. And, you know, the, the story is I had no followers. I just posted it on my little Facebook page and it had a million and a half views in one night. And that was wow. like a turning point for me. Cause I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Just because the people working, controlling the media think that these stories aren't important. Doesn't mean that that's how the rest of the country feels. Mm -hmm. And so I started telling more and more sort of little ag stories on just my little, little social media page because the TV, the network I was working for still didn't consider them newsworthy. Um, and it sort of grew from there. And that's sort of how I got my toe back into agriculture and the Western community. And then, you know, there's a whole long story after that. So, yeah. Wow. And that's, you know, I think we see that time and time again throughout, I mean, how many stories do they cover that are ag related? Like there's such a divide, which I know a lot of what you're doing is trying to eliminate or gap that divide but there is between what's happening in cities and what's happening in agriculture and at the end of the day we all have to work together for it to work and so that's it's amazing too to me like how on social media you can go from just a small little page to overnight bam just like that if you hit those algorithms right and your story is good then whew, it can change just like that yeah yeah it can definitely it can definitely go quickly um it was a, yeah, it was a long journey. You know, it's been, it's, it's been an interesting, an interesting journey. And, um, but one I wouldn't change, you know, I, I've said on podcasts and in interviews and, and things before it's, it, it was a little bit, it is a little bit embarrassing to admit, you know, that I chose TV over being a cowgirl and embracing who I was. But what I will say is had I not had the experiences outside of agriculture that I had for 10 plus years working with people from, I mean, one end of the spectrum to the another, all walks of life. Like you think television entertainment, you have some characters. I mean, there are some eccentricity, like it is, you see everything. But had mm -hmm. I not had those experiences, I would not have the innate understanding that I have now on how to bridge the gap between rural yeah. and urban. I would not have that deep understanding of how big the disconnect is between rural and urban. And it's not that one group or the other is doing something wrong. And I think sometimes in, in agriculture, we are like, oh, they just don't get it. They're such idiots. Like, how could they, you know, they don't want to understand us. They'll, they, they'll never get it. We don't necessarily, having stepped out of the agriculture community, 
I was able to see, wait a minute, sometimes that's true, but also we don't necessarily give them the opportunity to come into our community and see what we're doing and be a part of what we're doing because, you know, outsiders were like, no, we don't want that here. And I think sometimes that's to our own detriment. Yeah. You made a post. I think it was the Beyonce with the cowboy hat post. Oh yeah. I got raked over the coals for that one. Yes. Yeah. But like that to me was so eye opening. And since then, you know, we've talked a lot like with my ambassadors and stuff like that about, you know, being more open and being more willing to share and invite and just making it more inclusive instead of so exclusive. And I think we're in an industry that it is, it's such a tight knit, it's small. It's everybody's like the rodeo family. And with that, it can be hard to let others in. And I don't, I think a lot of people don't even realize it until it's brought to their attention. Like I know that I didn't to the extent until I saw some of your posts and I was like, wait a second, what am, what role am I playing here? And so, Mm -hmm. yeah, I think it's awesome that you are bringing that light. And like you said, you know, unless the other thing, like when we're all involved in this circle, and we stay inside this circle, we forget what's happening in the rest of the world, you know, and that I tell kids all the time, you know, like this industry is under attack to a certain extent when we talk about like animal rights and stuff like that. And we don't necessarily see it because the industry appears to be growing so much inside of itself, like all of these opportunities, all of these rodeos, all the added money, and it's awesome. And it's great. But there's still a whole nother world on the outside of this that we all get to be more aware of. And so yeah, that's, that's awesome what you're doing. So how did you, you went from the TV network to incorporating more on your own. And then like, when did you completely split and start doing really your own thing? Yeah, it, you know, so I started sharing more of these types of agriculture stories about stories that were essentially not being told in the mainstream media, right? And just sharing them on my Facebook. And these stories were not like, high production value you know from a from a tv like a professional standpoint I was like ah the audio sucks the video's not great but like it was all I had and so I would edit these stories write the script put them together and just post them on my Facebook page and slowly my little Facebook following started growing and then eventually people started reaching out and asking me to come speak at events. And I was like, I'm a TV host. Like, but yes, of course I can speak. I grew up giving, you know, talks in rodeo. I was, I was a high school rodeo queen, uh, cattle shows. Like, of course, anything Mm -hmm. like, let's go. I I can come speak to these groups. And it started growing and growing. And, you know, people, uh, one in particular, I remember someone called me the modern day mouthpiece for rural America. Like, you know, where has she been all this time? And it was great. Everything was going really well. And then, one day I posted a photo on my Facebook page of myself just as one does on social media showing the world what I was up to I was standing in the subway in New York City and I was headed to New York Fashion Week and I didn't think I didn't even for a second think about posting this picture I posted it whatever went to New York Fashion Week having a great time What the agriculture industry and the people who were sharing my stories and like praising me and hiring me to come speak to events and things, what they didn't realize, I guess, apparently, is that I was not living in rural America. Mm -hmm. I was living in places like Dallas and New York City. I was writing these stories about agriculture in an apartment in the middle of Manhattan. And I posted this, this 
photo and the comments, you know, and the DMs, which always, you know, anytime I posted something, like I had great traction. I was like, gosh, people love me. Like what, you know, but these were very different. And I remember opening like the first few and it said, what are you wearing? We thought you were a real cowgirl. They said things like, oh, you're fraud. You don't even actually live in rural America. And with one photo, suddenly everything like flipped. And suddenly I was considered not qualified enough to share agriculture story. I lost followers. People stopped asking me to come speak at events. I mean, it was like a real thing. And it really, really, it hurt my feelings initially. Yeah. Cause I was like, gosh, these are my people. I'm fourth generation. Like, what do you mean? I'm not qualified to tell these stories just because I don't live on a farmer ranch. Just because I'm not boots on the ground, just because I'm not wearing my cowboy hat every day means that suddenly I'm not an actual cowgirl. Just because I'm sitting at New York Fashion Week with people in clothes that you don't understand next to people with beliefs that you don't understand suddenly means that I'm not worthy of being in this yeah. space anymore. And it was like this weird, like, you know, I dip my toe back in, everything's going great. And then suddenly, you know, they had written me off and I thought about it for you know sat on it for a few days and I thought you know what no this is not how this is going to go down because what I was able to step back and think is okay I'm one of them I am one of them like I was born bred and raised yeah and if they're making one of their own feel like this imagine how they must be making outsiders feel and so I just yeah. I posted something on Instagram because people are nicer on Instagram and I was chicken. And I just said, look, you younger crowd. Yeah. Younger crowd, a little nicer, a little, little, little more open-minded. Uh, I just posted uh, the same photo. I posted on Instagram and I said, you can live in the largest cities in America and still advocate for agriculture. The hat on your head does not define you. The boots on your feet do not mean you are more qualified less qualified to be a part of this community. It was this long, it was a rant. Like it was this long yeah. post. And honestly, it just made me feel better. I, I, you know, might've had a couple hundred followers. Like I don't have a big following, but like, it just made me feel better. And I remember I posted it and I walked out the door. I was headed to the gym and I got back from the gym and my Instagram's like exploding. And I was like, Oh my gosh, yeah. these people will not let this go. You know, like what the heck? But the messages were very different. The messages said things like, thank you finally saying something. And it was, I have to be honest, like it was this bizarre moment for me because I always just felt like I was an oddball because like I'm the kid who grew up rodeoing, who then decides to like pursue a career, like a Hollywood-esque, like it just, I always just thought I was a weirdo. I just thought I was odd. I just thought I was the outlier. I, I always just felt like I enjoyed things that weren't stereotypically agriculture base like I just thought I was weird <laughs> to be uh -huh. very honest but the hundreds of messages that came in totally were like a total wake-up call for me because that was the point Not that alone. I realized yes it, I realized I wasn't alone and I also realized for the first time how desperately people want to be here they want to be in this community they want to rodeo or buy a ticket to a rodeo and be accepted. 
I had no idea how fascinated people are with this industry. You know, my, my best friend and I joke, we were both living in New York together. I was sleeping on her couch. I didn't have an apartment. So I'm sleeping on my best friend's couch. She grew up in Kansas. How did we meet? Our moms parked our horse trailers next to each other at a high school rodeo. But when you see us in New York City, we look just like all the other New Yorkers. You would not think, oh, the little, you know, Kansans or, oh, cowgirls, whatever. Yeah. And we would go out to, you know, to dinner or to, to a, a, a bar or something. Um, and people would say, well, what do you guys do? And Paige would say, oh, well, I'm a musician. And I'd say, oh, I'm a TV host. And, oh, great. Right back to what they're doing. And then Paige, much to my chagrin, instead... When people would ask, she would go, oh, well, she's a rodeo queen and I'm a cowgirl. And I'd be like, oh, geez, like this is embarrassing. Yeah. But what we noticed happened is in New York City, rather than, oh, great, nice to meet you. It was like heads whipped. And they yeah. wasn't, it wasn't like, oh, look at these little ding dongs. It was tell us more. What do you mean? Like, number one question, yeah. do you ride bulls? Like they were, they wanted to know. And it was it was the, because in a city like New York, everybody is somebody, right? Like you, there's celebrities everywhere. There's famous like poets. I mean, just like everybody is somebody. Yeah. And it was so funny because when we said we were cowgirls or a rodeo queen, you know, she's the Kansas high school rodeo queen. I was always like, oh God, that's embarrassing. People were fascinated and they yeah. wanted to know more and they wanted to sit with us and they wanted to talk about it. And I think partially influenced by, the agents and the managers and the people in my career who wrote it off, partially influenced by just being young and kind of immature of being a cowgirl, you know, in, in that space for a long time. Now it's completely flipped. Like if I go to New York fashion week, I'm going to put on a cowboy hat because I guarantee you, no matter who is in that, on that, you know, front row at that runway, who are they going to be, who are they going to want to like find out more about? I mean, people are so interested in it. And so, yeah, it just is, it's been a complete like 180 flip for me. I'm like, oh, now I'm like owning it because it's what makes us so, because you taught, you, you said it earlier in the podcast, we get so like in our community, in our rodeo world, y'all, we are a tiny, tiny, mighty, but we're actually kind of just a small piece. You're talking about like the city. So I have two brothers and two sisters and I'm the only one who rodeos in the family. And one of my other sisters, um, she's lived in Chicago for, I think she lived there for like 10 years. And one of her favorite things is that while she didn't really rodeo, her family does. And that's what she used when people are like, oh, like, who are you? She's like, oh, I'm Annie. I'm from a small town in Iowa. And I grew up in a rodeo family. And the same thing, you know, people just gravitated towards that. Like, like you said, tell me more. And I've learned that when I go to trade shows and stuff, even in places like I went to Kentucky to a show called Equitana, which is more equestrian type stuff. And um, when I wore my cowboy hat in town, you know, people are like, oh, like, who's that? Like, what's she doing wearing a cowboy hat? Like, why is a girl wearing a cowboy hat? You know, and that kind of stuff. And so I think embracing that, and that's one thing that I have learned to do too, you know, in high school and, and in college, when I was with my people, I was proud to have my cowboy hat on. I was totally comfortable. But outside of that, you know, I had different clothes. And I think we all do, even when we're not on a stage Mm -hmm. or we're not like, you know, like you were in the media, even those of us who aren't just living our everyday lives, we have our country clothes, our cowboy clothes and all of that that we wear to the rodeo. And then we have our skinny jeans and our height, which is great, which is fine. There's, There's space for both. 
But we all, I think for, especially for the kids listening, like if you feel like a cowboy hat looks cute with your outfit and you're going out on the town for supper or whatever, wear it. Like, what do you have to lose? People love it and people want to see it. And if it's who you are, you get to embrace it. Exactly. Exactly. And I would even say, you know, there's a little bit within, even within the rodeo community, you know, and, and I have been this person, you know, somebody shows up to the rodeo and their hats on backwards. Well, instead of snickering behind their back, let's be the person that walks up and says, Hey, welcome. Oh my gosh. Is, you know, like, we're so glad you're here. Is this your first rodeo? Like here, cowgirl, your hats on backwards. Let me turn around for you. I think sometimes even within our own like community, we get a little wound up about stuff that really doesn't matter. Like we should just be thankful that people want to be involved. You know, it's funny, like I live in Texas now. I grew up in Kansas, you know, in Texas, the hat shapes are a little different, you know, uh, in certain regions, square toe boots are for you know, are not cool and pointed to like that kind of stuff, those nuances, like that really does not matter in the, you know, in the grand scheme of things. So I think it's important for all the kids listening to like, just be you at all costs, you know, like no matter, just be you. And it's hard. It's so hard when you're young. I totally get it. You want Mm -hmm. to fit in so, so badly, but just know, like, as an adult, I look, looking in like I just really admire the kids who are just unapologetically themselves Mm -hmm. yes definitely we did we went to the junior high finals and we started this rodeo kid charades and it was so cool to see the kids come up and like some of them were kind of shy and others of them I mean they just were like flamboyant and just totally comfortable in their own skin and so yeah I think in being authentic is really important. You know, we learned, um, I did a four month long leadership program and I realized in myself, like how I'm a pretty confident person. You know, I speak in front of all these kids and stuff, but yet there were still parts of me that I was holding myself back. I was being nervous. Like in my podcast, even they were very structured. And if it didn't go right, then I was worried about what people were going to think. And what if I stumble or what if I stutter? I had had this weird clicking thing and I would go through and I would delete all of the weird clicks. And it's like, you know what? I get to get better at that, but it's who I am. And Mm -hmm. we just, we get to be ourselves and we get to share our stories. And that's what people want to hear. They, you can totally sense like if you're worried or anything like that, but just go for it. And also let other people be themselves too. You know, accept them for who they are, accept yourself for who you are. And just, it's, it's fine. It's all good. Exactly. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about your fancy lady cowgirl. Yes. So I don't even know if I said this backing up to the Instagram post, the rant about you can be all the things and do all the things at the very end of that post, I wrote hashtag fancy lady cowgirl. Fancy lady goes way back to when I was a little girl. Um, one of my mom's best friends she grew up like riding horses, you know, country, Kansas, grew up, you know, next to my mom. And she would always say, Courtney, you're such a fancy lady, you know, and we were always like buying princess hats and doing these. And that was just like my first memory of yeah. like, oh, I can be the little, I can ride my little cow pony and be a fancy lady. Like, this is so fun. You know, fast forward 20 years, 30 years. And here I am living in these big fancy cities. I have these 
I have a big fancy TV job, you know, this fancy TV career, um, getting to work, you know, with household names, like doing all these cool things. But like, I was still just the little cowgirl from Kansas. So at the very end of that post, I wrote hashtag fancy lady cowgirl. And it just sort of slowly, I don't know, I started saying it more. I started using the phrase more. I started using the hashtag a little more. Um, and then when the pandemic hit, I had been sort of working at this amazing, incredible job with the PBR, like dream job opportunity, right? When the pandemic hit, all of my work ended. I was an independent contractor. So like everything was gone. Mm -hmm. And I was literally just sitting in my right behind here on this couch, like gazing out at the gray Dallas skyline, like, oh, wow, I'm going to have to move home to Kansas. I have no money. Like, this is not good. And this is back when we thought the pandemic was going to be like a two or three week thing. Like, this was very early on. How naive were we? Um, yeah. And I remember just sitting there and I was like, you know, what if, because I have nothing going, nothing going on. What if I just started posting more things about Fancy Lady Cowgirl? What if I started talking more about what it means to be a fancy lady cowgirl. And so it really sort of just grew from there. You know, I had nothing going on. I was stuck in my apartment. You know, this is back when like they weren't, we weren't allowed to, in Dallas, we weren't supposed to leave our houses, like, you know. Mm, yeah. And so I started, I started posting more and more about fancy lady cowgirl. And what I discovered is that like, there are so many fancy lady cowgirls out there in the world. So in my mind, what is a fancy lady cowgirl to me? A fancy lady cowgirl is any woman, and it can be dudes too. I just called it cowgirl because I'm a girl. That's what I always thought. I'm like, you can be a fancy gentleman cowboy, like, don't worry. But fancy lady cowgirl is just any person who embodies qualities of a cowgirl, right? Maybe, maybe it's grit. Maybe it's the humility. Maybe it's the hard work that we're brought up with in the cowgirl and cowboy culture. And mm -hmm. sort of as Fancy Lady Cowgirl evolved, to me, you don't have to know how to ride a horse to be a Fancy Lady Cowgirl. You right. don't even need to own a cowboy hat. You can be born, bred, and raised in the city, in urban America. You, do, you don't even have to have ever set foot on a farmer ranch or been to a rodeo. In mm -hmm. my mind, a Fancy Lady Cowgirl is anyone who appreciates traditional cowgirl and cowboy culture and anyone who embodies the qualities. To me, being a cowgirl is not about the horse you ride or the boots you wear. To me, being a cowgirl is a state of mind. And as Fancy Lady Cowgirl has evolved over the last like year and a half, it's still, uh, I guess, a fairly new venture. It feels like I've been doing it for years, but it's like yeah. still pretty new. To me, a Fancy Lady Cowgirl, you know, it's just anyone who sort of embraces the lifestyle in their own unique ways and upholds traditions and, and, and cowgirl qualities. You know, I did a post the other day, um, a video talking about all the women that I consider fancy lady cowgirls. Some of the people in the video uh, were traditional cowgirls, women like Lindy Birch, you know, fraturity champion, you know, the, the queen of cutting, right? Cowgirl of all cowgirls. And in that same video, I also had shots of Megan Rapinoe from the U.S. women's national team, the soccer team, because that group of women came together and risked everything to fight for equal pay. To me, that's cowgirl, right? Mm -hmm. Pulling yourself up by your bootstraps, standing up for what you believe in, like that's cowgirl. 
There were shots of people like Simone Biles in the video. That's a young girl who had the weight of the whole country on her shoulders. And instead of crumbling, cracking, sliding away, instead she started one of the most important conversations on mental health that we've ever had in our country. That's fancy lady cowgirl, right? Like Mm -hmm. she could have got on that plane, gone home, denied all interviews for the next three years, whatever. And instead she did every interview. Instead she showed up for her teammates every day. She was on the mat, she was cheering them on. That's to me, fancy lady cowgirl. And I think it is, or would be the compliment of a lifetime, right? If people inside of our community, inside the Western community, but also outside of the Western community were like, yeah, I'm about to go do some cowgirl, you know what, right? To me, that's an honor that people want to be even a tiny bit like us because Mm. there's nobody in the world like cowgirls. They don't make them like they make cowgirls, right? And I know everyone listening, you you get it. I don't even have to explain it to you. Like cowgirls and cowboys are a different breed. And so my mission with Fancy Lady Cowgirl is to really sort of seep some of the cowgirl qualities, some of the cowgirl and cowboy culture into mainstream culture. Because let's be honest, like this world could use a little more cowboy and a little more cowgirl in it. Preach it, preach it. Yeah. And so really that's just my over overarching mission, you know, and for me, fancy lady cowgirl looks different than it may for other people. I love high fashion. I've always been obsessed with like couture, high fashion, New York, Europe. So I do a lot of like wild photo shoots in fancy designer clothes, like in the barn with a horse, just because that's my way of expressing fancy lady cowgirl. It may look totally different to somebody else. I always tell people, I'm like, look, you don't have to be fancy to be a fancy lady cowgirl. It's a little fancy, a little ranchy. Like it, you get to do it in your yeah. own way. And really, I just wanted to create a community, to create a lifestyle, to create a brand, whatever you want to call it, that everyone is welcome. Because I mm-hmm. feel like, yeah, we've got our little, there's, there's all these different niches, but not everybody's welcome. Like the equestrians are welcome. The, the show jumpers are welcome. The, the road, the barrel racers are welcome. The team ropers are welcome. The NASCAR drivers are, well, I don't know, like yeah. whatever. Everybody yeah. <laughs> is welcome uh, at the Fancy Lady Cowgirl table. And, and what happens by creating this community is that without forcing it, people are learning so much about the cowboy and cowgirl culture. You know, I, I got a bucking bull. So suddenly all these women are in my DMs and they're like, hold up, wait, what? Like we want yeah. a top dollar too. How do we get into this? How does this work? Are you hurting the bull? No, let me show you. Like it uh-huh. also has become this, this beautiful educational tool. And so it's yes. just been like, it's just been this wild ride. Yeah. And it's awesome that you're able to approach that side of it. Like that's a subsidy of it. Like you've got your main mission of bringing people together. And then you also get to use your platform to educate those people. You spark their curiosity by letting them be exactly who they are and giving them an opportunity to ask the questions that are maybe uncomfortable or, and you get to just give them a nice, well-rounded answer in a less hostile environment. And that's what we need Absolutely. to yeah, it really is. And, you know, it's as simple as like, I do the little question box on Instagram, like ask me your questions. Yeah. And I get so many messages. Hey, and it's, and I almost can tell through the internet that they're whispering like, Hey, we don't want to sound stupid, but like, we don't know how to, 
buy a cowboy? Are we going to look, can we wear one? Will you give us permission? And I always respond. And I'm like, first and foremost, you do not need permission. Go out and buy that dang cowboy. Well, 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 Mm -hmm. we don't, we don't own a horse. We don't actually know how to ride. I'm like, even better go out, buy that cowboy hat and wear it. And I think, I think that's why fancy lady cowgirl has been successful is because I think it gives people permission to be part of the community because it's a hard community to the cowboy Western culture. It can be hard to sort of break into, you know? And I think that's just really what I love about it from, from even that education standpoint, like, Oh, okay. Yeah. Then they're like, okay, so we can buy a cowboy hat. Where, where do we actually do that? Or what, questions do how do you make it that shape are they going to make like or what shape is best for my I'm like okay look like here here's I love being able to be that person you know um because I know what it feels like because I got to experience what it feels like to not be welcome and to not be accepted and to not be understood both on the mainstream level like in tv and television because I was always even though I wasn't wearing the cowboy hat, like, let's be honest, you can't take the cowgirl out of the girl. There were, right. I was still a cowgirl, but, you know, I still didn't quite fit in. And then, you know, try to get back into the Western community. Oh, I don't fit in here. She's in high heels. She's got fake eyelashes on. Like this girl's an idiot. She probably couldn't ride a horse or work a day to save her life. You know, mm-hmm. I've been on both ends. And so that's really what Fancy Lady Cowgirl is. It's just a place to, that, that says, look, you're welcome. You're welcome here. Yeah, it's awesome. I love what you're doing and sharing this message is just, it's so important to just be unapologetically exactly who you are. And we're going to, with the ambassadors and the pony pros, um, we do quarterly Zooms with all the kids and we do monthly Zooms as well that we just invite a guest in to speak to the kids and stuff and and to hear their stories and and the podcast as well. Um, But we're going to learn how to advocate. We're going to break them up into different rooms and say, okay, you've got somebody here who doesn't know anything about rodeo or doesn't know anything about the Western industry. And you get to do a three minute presentation as a group. There's going to be 10 of you to pull together, bring some facts, bring some figures and invite them into our community. And I think, you know, what you're doing is amazing. And if, you know, we're just trying to do a very similar thing, but at a younger level, because I think like you said, with the Instagram, even kids on Instagram are a little bit more inclusive. And I think, I think the world as a whole is people are being themselves more unapologetically in certain ways. And so we see more of that coming to the front. And I think if we can just give these kids the permission to include people instead of being standoffish, I think that we can make some big changes and, and the youth want to, you know, these kids want to be leaders. I mean, I was, full Lord this year over the videos. Cause they have to do, um, they have to do a, an application and then they have to send in a video and then they have to send in a reference letter. And the things that these rodeo kids said about who they want to be and how they want to step up as leaders and how they want to share their knowledge with other people is just awesome. And so with podcasts like this and with your message and, and getting them to follow you and your example, uh, I think that there's a lot of opportunity to really help these kids bridge that gap with the next generation. So. Yeah, I think that's great. And I think, um, you know, it is, it's going to be up to that next generation. And I think when it comes to advocating, it's just so important to remember there is no wrong or right way. Well, I'm, let me rephrase that. There probably is a wrong way, but like there is no right, there is no one way. Yeah, yeah. Rewind. Okay, there is no one way 
to advocate. Like it's going to look different for every person, right? Mm -hmm. What I do is very different just because I'm living a very different lifestyle than a lot of people in agriculture. And I think that that's what's so important. Like when it comes to great advocating, it, it has to be unique to you. The other thing that I would say, just to leave your kids with this, when it comes to sharing the story of rodeo or agriculture or whatever it may be, simple is better, right? And you have to provide a way for people who are not in the community, who don't have an innate understanding of it. You have to, you have to provide a way for them to connect. So I'll give you an example. Let's talk about meat, okay? there's this big push, right, to go plant-based. And there's this big push to like do away with the beef industry and let's all live on plants, which is whatever, that's your decision. I don't care one way or the other, right? Mm -hmm. But as a beef rancher, I know that some of the health information that's out there in the mainstream media is not correct. Now there's two different ways you can go about this. And I see both ways. And sometimes it just, ugh, I'm like, oh, we should have gone about this better. From a, from a television standpoint, if I'm trying to tell a story on TV, I have to tell a story in a way that my entire audience can connect with it, right? So if I come at someone and I'm in their face and, and I say, you know what? Cattle don't ruin the planet. Did you know that cattle only account for 3.4% GHG emissions and transportation accounts for 78? I'm already glazed over. I don't care. Mm -hmm. But if I come at someone and I say, look, I think it's really awesome that you are concerned about where your food is coming from and its impact on the, on, you know, the climate meat is really healthy. I feed it to my family. Okay. Boom. Instantly. The connection is, wait a minute. If this girl, I don't have kids, but like, if this girl's willing to feed it to her family or her children, then maybe it's okay to feed it to my children. She's been doing this for, she's sixth, seventh generation. Okay, maybe they are a little more, maybe they are sustainable. How could something that's been around for seven generations be so unsustainable? You know, you have to, you have to like bring people in and let them connect in a way that they can see themselves in what you're telling them, right? Yes. And so I think, you know, science and facts and data, like that's really important. But as someone who lives in urban America, that stuff, it's not over their heads because people in urban America are, are, are equally as educated, Yeah. but it, they just, they don't, they can't connect with that. Right. And so yeah. I think it's really important when you think about advocating, whether you're sharing about rodeo or with, you know, a flank strap on a bucking bull, well, you know, we do it this tight and this is the material it's made out of. And we would never, okay, think of it like this. When you put your belt on, do you do your belt up so tight that it hurts your tummy? No. Well, if we did it up so tight that it hurt our bull, he wouldn't buck. You know, you have to make it like, oh yeah. Like if I do my belt up too tight, I'm not going to jump around because my stomach hurts and like I'm ticked off, right? And so yeah. it's like, you have up to just, yeah, you got to describe things in a way that may seem silly to us, right? Because we know how things work. We know that meat mm -hmm. is healthy. We know how a flank strap works, right? But you have to explain it to people in a way that they can connect in a way that someone who knows nothing about rodeo can yeah. connect. That was like, maybe not the best answer to that. I don't know. I went off on a tangent, That's but anyway, example, make it though, simple. But... Yeah. yeah. Make it simple, make it easy, you know, make it easier 
for people to understand, even if it seems silly to you, that's mm-hmm. how you start bringing people in. And then you can start having the more like technical talks. Yeah. It's the presentation for sure. And like, for me, mm-hmm. like I am not a numbers person. So you start throwing numbers at me and I get into it. Like my siblings and I have some different views on what's happening in the world, which is fine. We all have to have different views because if we all thought the same, we'd never get anywhere. And so mm-hmm. I think it's great. But sometimes, you know, I've got a sister that's really analytical and I am not, I am a communications degree. I am 100% a promoter. Like you throw numbers at me and not having it. And, you know, but as I have, I'm like, you know, for every fact that I find, you can find another fact or another source, whether it's real or not. Like there's so many things that you can dispute. So like how you're talking about presenting it in a way that they can connect with it, a way that they can put themselves in your shoes and say, mm-hmm. okay, that makes sense. Even if it is the most basic of basic things, um, that's how people will start to relate and understand. And like you said, open the door. So I think that's awesome advice. Um, so we're down to like the last few minutes and I know that you have a very busy day. So I want to be very respectful of all of your time. And I just want to ask like, what's some advice that you have for kids? I mean, you've had a lot, but is there any specific advice that you have that you want to leave these kids with? I think, yeah, when it comes to rodeo, right? Cause these are predominantly rodeo kids. Mm-hmm. There's, and hang, hang with me. There's so much more out there than just rodeo. I was the kid who I was going to go to the NFR. I was going to be a professional barrel racer. And that's amazing. And I admire and I'm jealous of the people who have made that dream come true. But there's so much more out there. Living in Texas, you know, kind of this hotbed of rodeo. I see a lot of kids who are not going to school because they're rodeoing. They're going to be, we're going to rodeo. They're going to be professional. That's fine. If that's your decision, if that's your decision, that's your choice, but don't give up on everything else and put all of your eggs into the rodeo basket. Rodeo will always be there, right? I look back to like college and I really, really regret not doing like an international study abroad. I love to travel and I look back and I'm like, gosh, I wish I had done that, but I was, by gosh, I wasn't going to miss a season of college rodeo, right? Or I wasn't going to not fill my permit to go like have a once in a lifetime experience. Rodeo will always be there. Rodeo is a sport that you can sustain into a later age, right? I, I just did a podcast actually with Um, an Olympian, an Olympic figure skater who grew up in the rodeo world. And and we were sort of joking, you know, she's like, yeah, I I decided to go the figure skating route, but that, and I said, you know, that's probably the right choice because like, you can only be an Olympic figure skater, like up to a certain age. I said, you could always go back and be a barrel racer or Richmond champion's wife. Yeah. Yes. yes. I've I've heard some of her stuff. She's awesome. Oh, Paige is so darling. But like, you know, that's kind of what we were talking about. Rodeo will always be there. So Don't pass up the opportunity to go to school, whether it's high school or maybe college. Now, maybe college isn't for you and that's fine, but just don't pass up opportunities to do things outside of rodeo because rodeo will always be there, right? You, I'm a prime example. Mm -hmm. I grew up first 25 years of my life. That's all I did was rodeo. 
And then I completely got away from it because I thought I had to choose between the two. And then suddenly, you know, uh, two years ago, I found myself standing inside Madison Square Garden interviewing the best Cowboys in the world, right? Yes. There are so many ways to also be involved in rodeo. You know, it's, I live in Dallas, Texas. Yeah. To board a, a horse in, I mean, it's just not feasible. And to be very honest, the way rodeo and Western sports and the horse market is, I can't even afford to be competitive, mm-hmm. right? And so like, there are so many ways to be involved in the sport, to still be a part of the community. Don't be afraid to leave it because that really scared me. And Paige and I talked about this. It's like I lost a part of my identity, right? When rodeo went away, it doesn't have to be that way. And so I just encourage all of the kids listening, like rodeo your little heart out. It's, it's, it was the most fun I ever had in my life. I loved the people. My horses changed my life. I mean, it is such a great thing to be involved in. Just don't push all the other opportunities that come your way aside to rodeo because rodeo will always be there. Yes. I love that. That is such a great message. And I just had a conversation today. You know, my best friend's dad has a place out here in Arizona and there's 30 trailers parked outside and, you know, he's got all this stuff and everywhere there's somebody, but it's a lot of, it's a lot of men and he's part of this posse club that they call it. And he said, you know, it's just so cool to hear how many stories of how people have done what they've done. And yet they still, they still all love team roping. They still all love calf roping. They still, Mm -hmm. which I'm in the team roping Mecca of Arizona right now. So they're all ropers, but how they all went out and did their own things. And yet they've all still come back together. And so I think no matter what age you are, that's so true that it's okay. And like your experience, you know, because you stepped away from it, it's allowed you to see the world in a whole new light. And I think all of us can use a little bit more culture and just trying new things and different things. And if you have to skip a rodeo, and even if you have to disappoint somebody by saying like, Hey, like, let's go do something different for a weekend. It's okay. It will be there when you get back. Yeah, it's so true. And and it's also really important. I, I heard Joe Beaver say this one time. I've heard him say it multiple times, but years, years, years ago, I interviewed Joe Beaver and his number one piece of advice, he was like, look, go to school. He goes, one accident, you, you know, and he was talking obviously about tie down ropers, but he said, it can be over so fast. And if mm-hmm. all you know how to do is rope calves, when it ends, you're not going to be able to feed yourself. And so I think that it is so important for these kids, like, yeah, you know, if if you need to homeschool for a few years to haul for the world or whatever, do it, do it to the best of your abilities, but don't be naive to the fact that it can end just as fast as it started. And so I think it's so important for these kids, whether it's school, whether it's a Votech, whether it's just learning some other thing that they can Mm -hmm. do to sustain themselves if rodeo suddenly needs to pause or comes to an end for a while. Like I said, rodeo will always be there, Yeah, but you just never know. You just don't know what life's going to throw at you. So I think I I just always, I was young, but I remember thinking, man, that's, that's really good advice from somebody who's been to the highest, you know, epsilon rodeo. Looking back, he goes, man, looking back, he goes, go to school, go to school. Yeah. 
that's like awesome. an old bitty. Go to school, kids. Should <laughs> be college. Just get an education of some sort to wear. Any kind. Yeah. Go yeah. work on a ranch for a year. Like that's mm-hmm. college. Like go have some real world experience. I guess maybe yeah. that's what I should be saying instead of go to school. Go have some real world experience outside of rodeo. Yep. Be well rounded and be able to survive mm-hmm. if you can't be a competitor. For sure. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Courtney, we're to the end and I, this has been awesome and thank you so much. And you are killing it out there. I am a huge fan, a huge advocate. Um, you know, I share a lot of your stuff and I think it's just awesome what you're doing. And it's really cool to see a fellow female out there, just living in your own skin, being unapologetic about who you are and going after your purpose. Like you can tell you are passionate about it. You can tell you are doing what you are meant to do. So Keep it up and you're making a difference. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. It was an honor. Thanks again to Courtney for taking the time out of her day to share her knowledge, her expertise, and her experiences with us on the Rodeo Kids podcast. Head on over to Instagram and give her a follow. Send her a message. Send us a message. Share, tag, post this podcast, and let us know what you think. The more we know, the better we can do. So your feedback is much appreciated and your sharing. We are all in this together, in this industry together, and we get to support each other and support other people and invite others in to keep it rolling, to keep it strong, and to keep it thriving and fun. Thank you all for tuning in. You can also find Rodeo Kids information at the rodeokids.com website or give us a follow on Facebook, TikTok, and Instagram. Have a great day, everybody. Good luck, safe travels, and God bless.